Welcome to Ranch Girl Rants Podcast, where a couple of cowgirls talk about pretty much everything. Social issues, current events, true crime cases, ranch living, and we even delve into the hunt for Bigfoot. This podcast may contain strong language and is suitable for mature audiences. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Ranch Girl Rants. I'm Jen. And I'm Denise. Well, I almost said my last name, but I guess we're not going to do that. Well, unless you want the authorities at your door. Okay, okay. I'm not going to say my last name. I'm sure you can Google me, though. So what is our podcast about? Well, in this very first episode, we're going to talk about who we are, how this little venture came about, Mm -hmm. and what we have in store for you. Right. And um, I want to um, tell you what I know about Jan, and she's going to tell you what she knows about me and we'll see how accurate it is and how we met Um, so this is our feeble feeble attempt at an introduction well you know feeble as it may be feeble is good because you know (laughs) so should we give our disclaimer right now the meek shall inherit the earth right isn't that what they say i I guess so oh so we have to give our disclaimer right now because we are cussers Mm -hmm. we like to I don't know, cuss like sailors. Do sailors, I guess, cuss a lot, huh? Because I always yeah. say that term, cussing like I a sailor. I think people would understand what we mean by that. Yeah, yeah, we so. throw the F-bomb around a lot. So yeah. if you don't like that and that annoys you or it offends you, um, yeah, I'm sure there are other, other podcasts out there that's more suitable to you. Yeah, right. Well, and so amateur audiences, because some of our subject matter might get a little dicey. Yeah, and it's going to be a little bit all over the board. Um, so this this episode this podcast is going to be kind of you know introducing ourselves to you and and then um what we're going to touch upon um and we are going to have some pretty exciting and interesting guest speakers later on um that are very informative professionals in their field and you know and in between we're just going to um you know talk about our opinions about different things and the social climate these days which is very Um, much a topic because everybody's very emotional um, by the way politics is going and Mm -hmm. um, other things and and, you know because we're called ranch girl rant um, we are going to discuss uh, horse issues ranch issues and 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 just little musings about the uh, what it's like to live on a ranch and in a rural area Um, so people that live in the city can kind of relate or try to understand that we do have differences in the way we look at things in our property and, and all that. So Yeah. Okay, so first of all, we're going to talk about who Denise is and who I think Denise is. So I met Denise oh, <laughs> on a horse-related function several years ago. And at that time, she was a police officer for a, 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 a city police department locally. We'll, we'll leave that part blank. <laughs> and and she um, had been a, a, I think you started out as a state police officer for California. Right. And she was um, stationed in San Francisco right. as a state police. And then I guess at some point the state police got absorbed by CHP, California High Patrol. Right. Okay, so then you became a patrol officer up and down the freeways as a CHP officer, Yeah, correct? Or what we call a road dog. A road dog, mm-hmm. okay. And then for some reason you got tired of that and you decided you wanted to do like real police work, I guess. Ooh, should you say that? 
Some chippies out there are going to not take too kindly <laughs> okay. to that, ma'am. Okay, well, yeah, well, okay, not real police work, well, so different, speak, but, different. but different kind, like right. where you would go to burglaries and domestic violence cases and right. that kind of stuff, where you, where you didn't do so much of that as a, as a, a CHP officer. Well, right? CHP is mainly traffic enforcement for the state, but they do, they have branched off into other more general law enforcement duties because of the merge with state police, which handled all the um, crimes that occurred on state property. And, and okay. mainly you'll find, you used to be able to find state police in metropolitan areas, so. Get you a little bit more on that microphone. So what, uh, so. Okay, so. Um, so far that's pretty good. Okay. I don't know that I'm gonna have that much okay, info but about then, you. But you, were really, you were really close to retiring from that city police department. And you were a beat cop, right, for mm -hmm. those guys? Right. Yeah, and so right. when I met you, you were, like, right on the tail end of all of that, and you were, like, months, I think, away from retiring. Oh, you caught me when I was really uh, <laughs> anxiety-ridden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, that's correct. And, and I was always mesmerized by your cop stories because they were hilarious. Well, yeah, they can be, and, uh, and there's never a shortage of them. Let's just right. put it that way. Um, you're dealing with just there's no end to people and what they can do and and how crazy they are and so, um yeah so your cop years then spanned how many years 25 okay yeah. what did you do before you were a police officer well i um, was in the conservation corps and um 80 and uh at home was getting ready to go to feather river college i was going to be a forestry major even picked out my dorm room. My parents drove me to Quincy. It was beautiful. One thing led to another. I saw a commercial about the California Conservation Corps on TV, and I'm like, wow, I want to go out and clear trails and, you know, be out in the forest and this and that. And, uh, and I really need to get out of here now because I was not getting along with my father because we're too much alike. And uh, so I, I bagged the college gig, and I went right for the California Conservation Corps. Next thing I know, I'm on a Greyhound going to... Um, Redwood City, which is close to the La Honda Center, which doesn't exist anymore. We basically, it's in a youth authority center, and was there as a crew leader, or a core member, and then got promoted to crew leader. So I was there for a total of two years, but met a lot of friends, still have some friends to this day from there. Um, their motto was, uh, what is it? Uh, Low pay, hard work, and miserable conditions. And they <laughs> were not lying a pound on that, because it was... It, they worked you. I mean, we were the we were the bitches in the ditches for the state of California. Oh, yeah, Literally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we did all the uh, stream clearance. Uh, we did wildland fire minimal training, 16-hour mop-up mm -hmm. training, mm -hmm. um, called out on emergencies, and mainly just, we, we, you know, we'd get projects throughout the Bay Area and go do landscaping for, say, a rehab center or something that, you know, that was needed... Um, didn't have a lot of resources, and so the state would offer up CCC members to go out and, and do uh, basically the grunt work. Right. But yeah, it was fun. It was hard. It was, you know, a lot of partying. Um, what drew you to law enforcement? From oh, when I was, uh, <clears throat> when I went from there, I went to um, San Francisco. When we ended up in San Francisco Center, which is Treasure Island, we took over buildings and remodeled them, and we, the state got those from the Navy for a dollar a year. So in so we fixed up the buildings that we were in. I think it was Building C. I can't what remember. What year was this? Eighty one, I think. Eighty one, eighty two, and um, Governor Brown came out and cut the ribbon. And after we fixed it up, and uh, um, 
Diane Feinstein was a mayor at the time, and so I got to walk them around and um, show them the center and what we did. But anyway, so we did that, and then um, I ended up when I you can only be a crew leader for a year. So at the, towards the end of my thing, I I went and I went into wanted to get a state job, so I went to general services and applied with fleet administration. Became a basically a garage monkey working at uh, fleet administration um, state garage in San Francisco in the tenderloin checking out cars to state employees okay getting estimates for vehicle accident for their accidents and uh whatnot maintaining you know basic maintenance change tires change the oil that kind of thing but basically we're like a gas station outfit and uh, really horrible light blue was not becoming on anyone um did that and then met state police officers they come in with their state police cars and i start talking with them i had taken an 832 class in high school um, when, uh, which is basically methods of arrest. And so I, I was interested in law enforcement when I was in high school at Marysville High School. Huh, whoops, I blew it. Anyway, Marysville, huh? great town. Um, anyway, they got me interested. I applied and I started in 87 and I was an officer and then I was a training officer, then I was a detective and then CHP took us over in 95 and I went right over into their investigative services and did mostly cargo theft investigations. Interesting. And then... Um, yeah, I learned something new. I didn't know that. Worked a lot with Yellow Trucking, Conway, Western Express, because mm. there was a lot of high-end theft. Um, learned a lot about that world. Anyway, after that, I went to the other law enforcement agency, uh, which is a what you call a municipal police department that uh, you know pretty much provides general law enforcement services. And worked there for six years and retired. And uh, been retired for six years now. And... I'm loving it, and um, yeah, so I guess I finished the whole history, huh? No, 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 we haven't gotten to the home life yet. Oh, yeah, oh, also a licensed private investigator. Okay, Yeah. so that's what you're doing now. Yeah, okay. but I, I don't, I work as a subcontractor, I do just specific investigations, I don't do surveillance and mm -hmm. cheating husbands and wives, I don't, I'm not into that. Surveillance so is a very boring thing, if you've ever done it, it's not glamorous at all, just wanna put that out there, very boring. Um, but yeah, no, so that's, so that's what I'm doing and, um, live on a small ranch, have two horses, four dogs, and, uh, got a lot to rant about. Okay. All right. And, and, you know. You want to name your, your significant other or are they going to re remain nameless in this whole thing? Well, no, I mean, Rose is a good person. Okay. You know, I okay. do need adult supervision and that's why she's, <laughs> she's with me. Um, and we all know that. So, um, no, she she's, wanted to be incognito. No, she's fantastic and, okay. uh, keeps me between the lines, you know? Right. And, um, no, uh, anyway, so that's pretty much it. And I also okay. do Bigfoot investigations now. Right. That's just going to be as a big a, part a of member, our show. BFRO investigator. Because little Miss Investigator over here is a Bigfoot believer. I am... Not a non-believer, nor am I a believer. I'm still on the fence. I need to be convinced, but I'm not a staunch, you know, I don't believe in Bigfoot kind of girl. Which reminds but, me of that line in Jaws. What is it going to take? <laughs> the thing to swim a up dead, and bite you in the yeah, ass? it's going to take me okay. somebody to drag his dead body okay. ass to my doorstep, <laughs> and then I'll believe there's a Bigfoot. All right, it's so your turn to tell me about me. So, Jan... Jan, what can I say? Jan, there's not much Jan doesn't do. I met Jan um, uh, about six years ago like at the horse at some horse deal. We ride horses together. I think it was either the Bandit Chase or it was a just a trail ride um, that every you know one word of mouth kind of a trail ride, and uh, and her husband Alex, 
And um, she, um, I was immediately attracted to her personality and her um, background because she's like me in the sense that she is inquisitive about everything. She gets down to the minutia of everything that she gets interested in. And I mean, she's a very, she should be an investigator. Um, but she, anyway, so we met riding horses. And so that's how I knew her as a horse girl, as well as a trick rider. Um, <laughs> and she started talking about, she was in a many, many bands as a singer, lead singer. I think new wave and rock and rock whatever and the era, all of right? It, yeah, pretty yeah. much all of the '80s, whatever was big played in the '80s. So Jan's like this little sawed-off, little sassy little thing that just is not shy. Gets up there. Um, so we'd ride horses, and then we start. We started to get to know each other, and I learned that she worked for DMV, and she was the public affairs off information officer, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so we would have a lot in common in terms of you know talking about laws and traffic laws and all that and I would get my information from her straight from the horse's mouth if it as it were and then um, we started to hang out and more and more and then she introduced her Twyla world to me which is basically a stream of numerous very interesting well-produced videos that she has on at the moment on YouTube um, check that out. That's a good thing. And watching those, I'm like, wow, this, this chick is very talented. Um, knows how to, how to, uh, edit videos. And I've always been like a, you know, a kind of self-professed actress slash director. I used to make my own, direct my own plays as a kid. And so I'm like, wow, this is cool. I can get a lot of information out of her. She has written books. Um, at the time, at one point in our friendship, I was, entertaining writing a book about my law enforcement career and all those funny cop stories that she talks about and I see, sought her advice on that she gave me a lot of useful information um, talked me kind of right out of it but anyway <laughs> after learning all of the uh, ins and outs of Not writing easy. a book and what a pain in the ass it can be rewarding I'm sure um, she's written self-help books and uh and, and then we started uh, singing together. We On occasion, she'd come, and she's got a great voice. She's an accomplished guitar player. Um, I play guitar. I play at guitar. Um, chords, you know, you're not going to get any leads out of me. But Jan's a very good guitar player as well. So she would um, come to the parties that I would throw and get up there, and we'd sing. And then we just started realizing that we're very simpatico, that we very much have the same interests. We, we speak about politics on the phone. Every morning it's like a you know morning coffee with Jan kind of a thing. We get on the phone and we just start talking about the current social um, atmosphere. We, we solved all the world's problems. Oh, and the other thing is she makes jewelry and she's an artist. And there was a big part of my career you didn't touch on. You probably don't know yeah, much about it. Yeah, you know, I just... I was in radio broadcasting for many years. Oh. And so I... I oh, and was, I also forgot another thing. What's that? Oh. Fire Girl. Yes, Fire Girl. She wrote a book called Fire Girl, people. She was the first woman wildland firefighter. With It was CAL FIRE then. It was CDF. It was CAL CDF. I'm sorry, it's CAL FIRE now. It was right. CDF then. Mm -hmm. What year was that? Um, 78. So I was one of 26. There were only 26 women in the whole state that year, and I was one of the 26. And so, yeah, I was one of the first, and that was the um, 1978. 
Yeah, and you almost got killed too. Right. I was the first woman to be at my fire station in its 50-year history. They had no accommodations. Do you mind mentioning the fire station? Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's not a a secret because I wrote a book about it. So yeah, it's Whitmore um, up in Lassen National Forest. And little old little dinky um, mountain fire station, and I was the only girl up there, and they had no accommodations for me or anything. It was it was quite interesting. Did but, the yeah, guys treat you well or not? No? Really, yeah. <laughs> one did. But, one out of yeah, one out of like yeah, seven or whatever. How many people were up there? Condescending, but, yeah, uh, was, sexist type of atmosphere. It was, it was rough because it was the first year that they had a couple of women that had been firefighters. That, so I w- can't say I was the first. But it was the first year that they had uh, more. I think there was a the year before that they had opened it up to women, but only two applied in the whole state. And so this was the third year where actually twenty six applied. So there were a little bit more of us in the fire station. So now it was like we were a real threat. We were a mm-hmm. real threat. They're like, oh shit, this is gonna happen. This is gonna this happen. Is happening. And you know, I <laughs> was ninety five pounds, five foot two. I looked like I was about twelve years old. What kind? What could I really bring to that table? Mm-hmm. With that, they thought they were going to have to carry. They were going to have to carry me everywhere and, mm-hmm. and hold my hand and the whole thing. And they were just. I was just a big pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Plus, they had no accommodations for me. I had no. I didn't. I had to share the bathroom with the guys. I had to sleep with the. You know, sleep in a barracks with the guys. No separate rooms or anything like that. It's all changed now, believe me. Right. But yeah, it was. It was. It was pioneer days for us chicks there. It was. It really was. And so after that, then I went into the music business and I toured all over the place, um, singing in rock bands and my own band and recording in recording studios and doing all that. And even went to LA and tried to make my, make my, get my big break as a recording artist in Los Angeles. And that was in the late eighties. And then while I was there, I was turning 30, which basically now I'm old. (laughs) So I decided, okay, I need to look at another career option here. And that's when I went to broadcasting school and I uh, worked in radio. Where did and you go to broadcasting school? Huntington, How long did you have to go? Huntington Beach, and it was only like a six-month course. Was it a and private back, course or was it a college it was, course? No, or? it was a private. It was a private hmm. school. And back then, to work in radio, you had to have an FCC license. So I had to learn all of this technical stuff back mm-hmm. then. It's just you just weren't a DJ. You had a license that said you were licensed to operate that radio station, mm-hmm. and. You, because you had to take tower uh, meter readings and you had to know all these FCC laws and it was it was crazy. Nowadays you don't need any of that. They, they've changed the rules completely. Any anybody that with a with a, a blood circulating through their veins can be a DJ. <laughs> or the pulse. <laughs> yeah, they have a pulse. They can be a DJ. But back then it was kind of a big deal. And you had to go to school and you had to learn all the stuff. And you had to take a test. You had to actually take wow. an FCC test. And so anyway, I did that and I became an airborne traffic reporter. So I was up in an airplane above Sacramento for four years in the backseat of an airplane circling around. I didn't know that. Wow, that's cool. I was doing traffic reporting. I did that a split shift, the early mornings and afternoons. And then um, at that point, I decided I was turning 39 and I needed a, I needed a pension. <laughs> and so that's when I went to work for the state. And I didn't go to work for the DMV right away. I worked for other agencies as an information officer, media relations person because of my media background. And then I ended up my last seven years was at the Department of Motor Vehicles. What other uh, agencies did I you work for? I uh, worked de- for um, Department of Managed Health Care. They regulate HMOs. Then I worked for Department of Food and Agriculture for a little while. And then I worked for Caltrans for a couple of years. As an information officer? Mm-hmm. Oh, you were busy. Yep. And then, oh yeah, I was always on the side of a highway with a hard hat 
meeting the press. Wow. Yeah, traffic whizzing by. It was quite thrilling, let me tell you. I was scared the scared the living hell out of me, man. I'm standing on the side of the highway getting, you know, doing interviews with news media and there, you know, trucks and cars I'm flying by and I mm-hmm. and I always hear these stories about, you know, Caltrans workers getting taken out mm-hmm. because people just have a tendency to want to gravitate towards whatever's on the side of the road for mm-hmm. some bizarre reason. And I always pictured that I was going to get taken out. Flashing lights. Yeah, flashing lights. Drunk but, drunk drivers are, are like a moth to a flame to flashing lights. That's yeah, why CHP it's does It's crazy. They, they are told, well, I don't know if they all adhere to this, but when you pull over someone on the freeway or if you're on the side of the road, you turn your, your yellow flashers off and put your hazards on because drunk drivers have been known to drive right into the back of a car with flashing lights well that in the caltrans trucks they have those big bumper things Mm -hmm. now when they're doing any kind of shoulder work they have these trucks that have these giant Mm -hmm. crazy i forget crash they're they're the crash trucks Mm -hmm. so they will follow behind whatever crew is like doing landscaping whatever take the hit to take the hit yeah (laughs) Right. right they had to do that because these drivers gravitate towards Shit on the side of the road is bizarre. Well, like that's why said, that's why an accident. The, the, the fire trucks. I always try to uh, tried to find myself, you know, protected by a fire truck because they would close the lanes down, and the fire trucks were good for that. Because you go through a fire truck, you better be. You're probably driving a big rig or something. But the fire trucks, just like the Caltrans trucks, are or one line of defense. It's da- traffic's yeah. no joke. That it's scared no the hell jo- out of me when I worked no out there. It's no joke. I'm standing on the side of this, like it's standing on the side of I-80 doing a stand-up, what they call, you know, I'm being interviewed for something mm-hmm. that's happening on the roadway or whatever, and I'm just standing there with a hard hat and yellow vest on thinking, okay. Now, is your this... back to traffic, oncoming traffic when you do that, or was it facing? Uh, facing, typically. Okay. But one of us is, you know, we were trying, you know, we tried to position. So hopefully you know, the cameraman will get lucky and you'll say, God. run! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was that was quite crazy. So I did that, and then, yeah, then I ended up retiring from the state of California in 2014, and my last seven years with the Department of Motor Vehicles, and that was probably the most hard, that was probably the hardest out of all of those state agencies because it was so political and it was such, so much drama. Lots of landmines uh, to dodge. you live in the state of California and you got to deal with the Department of Motor Vehicles, good luck for you. I'm a lot of people you, hate DMV. Because I mean, it's a huge, 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 huge department. And they've got to manage 32, 32 million registered vehicles millions and millions what if they should split northern and southern california i think they should privatize the whole thing and that's Mm -hmm. a whole episode we can do i can talk a whole episode on what i think should happen with Mm -hmm. the department of motor vehicles as because i retired out as a managing spokesperson Mm -hmm. and i knew every facet of that place everything that they did and so much of it is so needless the the vehicle code used to be like a half an inch thick now it's it's like five inches thick it's insane i mean you could you know use uh, use a vehicle code to, you know, as a ramp for your car. And I'm so, you I imagine change there's a tire. <laughs> I'm supposed there's a lot of people out there that you'd be scratching an itch for them because they would be very much in agreement. There's a lot of problems with, you know, Caltrans DMV, you know, and, and, and I just scratched the surface because I worked peripherally with them doing the law enforcement, but I'd have to respond to Caltrans for crimes, burglaries, a lot of inside jobs, <laughs> Respond to right. DMV for people pissed off at the counter because it's it's they've been there for their entire life trying to get their right. something renewed and they're angry. Okay. And DMV takes a lot of hits for things. Um, probably, like you say, maybe it's because they're too big and they need they're to be too, split or they need to be. Is. There's yeah. too much. There's too much that's been 
put upon the DMV to regulate voter registration. How the hell did that happen? Yeah. Um, disabled parking placards. Now we've got it, real ID. Now we do, right. We, now we got real ID. And As opposed to the fake article. ID and the fake news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the occupational licensing. Um, so many things are under the purview of the DMV that you wouldn't even imagine. It's not even on a typical person's radar mm-hmm. because, you know, you just go in for your driver's license and your vehicle registration. There are probably 20 other things that the DMV does that the public doesn't even Well, know. and inherent with the problems is the expense. California Department of Motor Vehicles is probably the most expensive to register your car. The registration absolutely registration doesn't last. I know as Oregon and, and Washington, it, it's like you can register your car for like five years right. or something. Now and, it's every year. A lot of it is just to keep the DMV afloat because of all the things that they've put yeah. upon the DMV to, to manage right. and regulate. And I always talk about the DMV is like a huge monster with tentacles. You you chop a tentacle off and three will grow in its place. Mm-hmm. You're constantly trying to wrangle in this monster that I think a lot of it needs to be privatized. A lot of it needs to be divvied out to other mm-hmm. other agencies. Other states have figured out how to privatize their DMVs, mm-hmm. you know, portions of it anyway. And I think that would solve a lot of the problems. But anyway. Well, whether you agree or not agree with either one of us about whatever topic, um, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has Everybody one. Everybody has one. And so, and I don't know if we mentioned or if you mentioned that this is, this is an opinion show. I mean, we're, we're, we're expressing our opinions and venting our opinions and ranting. Um, it is, it is ranch girl rant because we are going to touch on, uh, farm life and ranch issues and, and this and that, but we're also going to interject it with some, you know, our musings about different things. And, and, Again, I mean, social, you want it, social issues, issues, cultural issues. We talk about everything. Oh my God, we yeah. talk about everything. Right. You know, even TV shows. We could talk about our favorite binging shows. Oh, oh my God. God, don't say, don't right say now? that word. Don't the, say oh, the O word. It starts, oh, no. Oh. And I'm late to that party because people have been watching that for a couple oh of years now. God. And I just came upon that. Insane. It is. It's. So. It's. It's. it's uh, yeah. But anyway, we, 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 you know, because of your law enforcement background, you have a lot to say about investigative and true crime and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, me with broadcasting and music and just, I don't know, living life. Well, what, you know, what basically <laughs> we just bring it all to table. Basically, we're here to talk and touch about many things. And between and the two tough. of us, we have a lot of experience and background in different things. But um, we could touch upon many things that are, you know, you always talk about what you know. Um, and flavored with your opinion about it. Right. And so um, I would rather investigate cryptids than investigate crime that I used to investigate. It's just, I'm over that, I'm done. Yeah. Um, you, on the other hand, are very intrigued and very interested. Especially have what's going on right here in my neighborhood. And that made national what news. we're gonna talk about next, right? <laughs> you go for I think it, so, yeah. you do it. I think so. And in Bigfoot and maybe ghosts and mysterious things yeah. that are unexplained right and, and just who doesn't want to talk about those things stuff because we're not going to bore you we're no. not going to sit and, there and we're not going to draw guests right uh, and we're going to have some very upcoming interesting and guests you've already been, like, i'm on the whole, i'm on it You're i'm on, on it. it i got people saying oh absolutely i'll uh, i've got a vet that's going to come on and, and speak to us about large animal care um uh, a young lady that i watched grow up she went to to a college or university in Oregon. She's majored in animal husbandry. She's going to talk about um, large animal livestock nutrition, horse nutrition. Um, Another retired 
out of CHP that was in commercial, and she's going to talk about horse trailers and the regulations and laws pertaining to horse trailers and hauling horses and safe safety around that. So yeah, um, and you know, and maybe uh, a, a few folks in the Bigfoot world, and the Bigfoot world is huge right now. Bigfoot's real hot. So we got, I know I've been meeting people. Yeah. And I've been meeting a lot of interesting people that I'm going to try to uh, persuade to come on and speak about their experiences. So it's going to be a complete smorgasbord of topics. Right. Okay. Well, and I know you want to talk about, you wanted to talk about your, your local yokel crime scene. Yes. And I've been there because we ride horses in that area. particular this this is this is from another podcast. It's pretty hot right now, and the crime happened right here in the neighborhood. And the person um, Neil Strauss, the journalist who put this podcast together, did a really 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 good job. And I think that um, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered on that that we could talk to, because it happened right here, like a block away from my house. Yeah, well, they found Crazy. the victim. Yeah, and they think the murder happened just and the suspect's the relative lives mm-hmm. near the crime scene, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they got that great thing where they locate you, track you through your Google. by your cell phone, by your cell phone, Google, Google use, Google tracking. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, big brother. Crazy. But you know what? It's a blessing and a curse. It depends on what side of the law you're on. I know, right? <laughs> you know. Okay, so we're going to be broadcasting our little podcast once a week and our next one is going to be coming up next week next week and we're going to talk about the to live and die in la podcast that i've been listening to and that was uh, took place here in my neighborhood and we're going to talk about your recent bigfoot expedition up in oregon yeah it was great great group of people learned okay. a lot yeah and, and it'll be it'll be a very interesting podcast so okay All right, well, till next time, we'll see you guys next week.